You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Okay, um, we're going to have an interview now. Um, I'm going to ask Zandra Bond, uh, who's a member in the Comfort Presbyterian, uh, to come up um, and I'm going to ask you a few questions. Do you you want to stand um, over here, Zandra? Um, Just uh, before I I grill Zandra, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about the organization that I'm connected with in Biblical Counseling. It's called Biblical Counseling UK. Um, and really, it's, it's an organization that seeks to equip the local church um, to care well for people. Um, and its strap line is bringing Christ-centered change enabled by the Spirit through the ministry of the Word in the local church. Um, so, Biblical Council UK, it, it brings many resources, um, uh, written resources, study guides, um, different events, conferences, You can go onto their website, and I would recommend actually just having a listen on their website. There's lots of audio resources for different mental health issues that that people um, will will struggle with. One of of the the main uh, resources that uh, Biblical Counseling UK use is what they call a certificate course, um, which is a a three-year course of kind of learning and training in Biblical Counseling. Um, And Sandra was one of the the students on the course and uh, completed the course about... Um, three years ago, so I thought it would be good if Sandra would come maybe and, and share a little bit uh, about her experience there. Um, Sandra, do you want to just maybe introduce yourself for some folk who, who maybe don't know you here at Union Road, just tell us who you are. My name is Sandra Bond, um, I'm married to my husband Nigel, uh, we live in Tubbermore. Uh we don't have any children but we've been blessed with lots of lovely nieces and nephews um, and I'm a member at the uh, Comfort Presbyterian. Thanks, Sandra. Okay. Um, so we were talking about this course, and I suppose the first thing I want to ask is what prompted you to apply for the certificate course in, in the first place? Um, well, for me to apply was a personal journey. Um, about seven years ago, I seen a biblical counsellor because I struggled with mental health. Um, I developed OCD as a child when I was six, and a I don't know if uh, anybody here suffered from OCD or if you know what it is, but it's a coping mechanism that you develop um, to control things, to control bad things from happening. Um, so as I say, I had follow- this had followed me into adulthood. I'd kept it a secret from my family, from my husband, from my friends, because I was afraid and I was ashamed. Um, until one day it got too much for me. Um, that um, it physically, mentally, and spiritually burnt me out. I was exhausted. I was being sick. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. And I was having dark thoughts. Um, And also, I was having distorted thinking about God. Um, I thought that um, how God seen me was how I seen me. But that was completely wrong. I thought he would abandon me. I thought he would forsake me and give up on me but he didn't. Um, but God gave me the courage to ask for help. So I had contacted my minister, who was David Leach at the time, and he gave me the contact number of a biblical counselor who I saw over a period of time. Now, at that time, I didn't know how God was working in my life, and I didn't know what his plan for my life looked like. 
because after I'd finished the biblical counselling, I had like a deep desire, uh, burden on my heart to help others who were broken, who were lost, and who were struggling just like I was. I believe it was God putting that calling in my heart into pastoral ministry to come, aside, to come alongside others who were struggling, um, to bring God's word of healing, comfort, support, love, hope that I received from him and others. Um, and a Bible verse that really always encouraged me, and it was one of the core Bible verses in biblical counseling, that in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 7, it says that God comforts us so we can comfort others. Um, so maybe about a couple of years passed after um, I'd finished counseling, and I had been praying that God would guide and help me about to what direction to go in. So about two years after that, my counselor had encouraged me to apply for the counselling course. It was a three-year course down at Union College in Belfast and you met every other Thursday night for the three years. I started it in September 2019 and I did it through faith. I, didn't, I wasn't doing it through church or anything like that. I just prayed about it and asked God just to open up the door and he did. I was accepted and here I am three years later. Um, it had been a real blessing for me um, and it had been a privilege and an amazing opportunity. For me as well. Thanks, Sandra. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's great to hear a story of, of someone who has experienced mental health issues themselves, um, but through that experience has actually then um, sought ways of, of, of learning and growing in how then you could equip others, Sandra. Um, so I'm interested just to hear maybe any of the maybe key things that you, you learned or um, that you gained from, uh, from the, the three years in the certificate course. So there was so much, but the ones that I think that um, God was putting on my heart was that um, that God had taught me so much. He challenged me. He had blessed me. He had rebuked me, even um, through His Word, and even has taught me so much about Himself and my relationship with Him, how He views our lives, how He views our struggles. He helped me to understand and see them from His perspective through His biblical lens, and how He speaks into each of our lives. Um, bringing about Christ-centered heart change, transformation through his written word. Um, also, it reaffirmed to me that we do have a personal God who wants to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. He wants us to turn to him for help and not away, because sometimes when we're struggling, we can't find other ways to cope. And God's just standing with his arms wide open, just ready for us to come to him. Um, also, the course is so rich in biblical teaching and material. It helps you to apply what you're learning to your own life um, and your own life situations and struggles. Um, I had shared this earlier that um, you did assignment every other two weeks. Um, and I felt that each assignment was written for me because God helped the struggle that I was dealing with, whatever that assignment was, he helped me through doing that assignment. So it was like self-application of his word or self-counseling. Um, and also that I learned that he equips us how to do conversation ministry, whether it's formally or informally. And he equips you on how to build relationships and how to build that trust, to ask the right questions and to allow you to go deeper with others. Also, it learns how to love others well and to listen well and also it challenges us to speak truth into other people's lives with love and humility um, and the other thing is that um, I'm still a work in progress 
Um, as First Philippians tells us, you know, that God who began the good work in you will continue it until it's finally finished, and that's okay. Absolutely. Yes, we're, we're all a work in progress, very much so. Um, and just bringing us up to the present days, Andra, I'm just interested to hear how you're using what you've learned in the course sort of for your, your life and ministry, just in, in the context that you're in uh, just now. Well, God just used the course in my life to, as I say, just to um, help me in my life, in my relationship, my relationship with him. Um, Because now I can say that my relationship, I have a a living and active faith in Christ, where before, yes, I knew everything about God, but in those hard times, it's hard to let your heart, um, to put your total trust in God. to to totally cry out to him because sometimes in your head doesn't match up with your heart. So he's allowed that um, transaction to happen in my life. Um, As you say about life and ministry, I just hope that even here today, um, that what I've personally shared, that I will be an encouragement to others um, and that will encourage anybody to ask for help because God doesn't want you to suffer alone and in silence. He wants you to cry out to him. Because in the Psalms, he encourages us. That's what he wants. He says, cry out to me. Um, and also, um, he gave me a lovely Bible verse. Because through tears and through sorrow and different things, he said that he collects all our tears in a bottle, which is Psalm 56 and 8. And I found that just really comforting. Also, that he will not abandon you and he will not forsake you. Like as we were singing... All of God's promises are com- have come true. They have came true in my life, even in the hardest times, um, because he promises this. And, uh, and even I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Um, and he tells us this in Psalm 34, verse 8. And it's only by God's grace, mercy, forgiveness, and strength that I can stand here today and share all of this. Um, but also even just... To thank God so much for what he's done in my life so that maybe he will use me um, in ministry to serve him and to serve others by coming alongside them. Brilliant. Uh, Sandra, thanks so much for, for sharing that. Um, very personal. It's not, not easy to, to stand up and, and talk about those things, but um, it's, it's been a, a blessing to hear that and I'm sure a blessing for, for folks in Union Road this morning. Um, so we'll, we'll pray that the Lord will um, continue to equip you and, and use you in your, um, your pastoral roles um, in your own uh, home congregation. Um, Sandra, I'm going to ask you maybe to bring our prayers of uh, intercession to us now. Um, thanks. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Psalm 46, verse 1, you tell us that you are a refuge and strength always ready to help in times of trouble. Loving Heavenly Father, we come before you today in humble prayer to give thanks for your goodness, your faithfulness, love, and truth of your word. I pray, Lord, that for anyone here today or at home who is struggling and has been struggling, either emotionally, physically, or spiritually, I pray now, Lord, that you will speak into their lives and touch them in a real special way that only you can do. Because, Lord, you only know what's in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, I just pray that you would draw near to them. Just give them your peace, which passes all understanding. Just give them rest, patience, perseverance, 
And Lord, I just pray that you would give them your eternal hope to endure their struggles. Lord, I just pray that you would shine your light into their darkness. Lord, I just want to pray for our family members that walk along with us in the struggles. I pray, Lord, that at times they don't know what to do, they don't know what to say. But I pray, Lord, that you would just give them the strength and to know that being there is just enough. Father, um, I just want to especially lift James, Hannah, Lord Porter before you today. Lord, we can't comprehend how they're feeling. We just pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them and comfort them, help them to know your help and strength today and the days that lay ahead and also the Anderson and Ferguson family. Lord, just help them to know your comfort. Lord, um, I just want to thank and praise you for the CD ministry that goes out to homes and hospitals, Lord, every week to your church families who can't be with us to worship and have fellowship with you for different reasons. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless them, help them to know your presence and help them to know they're not forgotten. And Lord, I just want to pray personally for the elders this session, for the committee and all the leaders, Lord, who faithfully serve you, Lord, each week. And I pray, Lord, that through their pastoral ministry to us, that you will work in their lives. I pray, Lord, that you will give them the right words to say. You'd help them to keep trusting in you. And Lord, just give them guidance and wisdom, especially when they're speaking to others who are struggling, even if they don't know what to say. Just help them to just listen. And Lord, I just want to lift up Ashley Graham and his family before you today, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you would help him to know your presence and guidance as he starts to prepare and maybe is already preparing, Lord, for these next three services next Sunday. Lord, I pray that you would guide him, that you would guide us, you'd open up our hearts and our minds to help us to make that individual decision, Lord, that you have placed on our heart. And I pray, Lord, that if it's your will, you will open up the door for him to come, and if not, Lord, you will close it. And Lord, I just want to pray for Tim today. Just take away all his nerves, help him to know your presence with him, Lord, open up our hearts and ears and minds to hear what you have to say to us through him and especially through your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thanks very much, Sandra. Well, thanks again so much for your, your welcome this morning. It's, it's been great uh, to be with you. Uh, I've been really blessed by uh, just the, the ministry of the music here this morning and um, just joining together in, in fellowship. Um, and thanks to everyone who's, who's taken part. Um, and even just following up on what Sandra has shared, perhaps you're sitting here thinking maybe counseling, particularly Christian counseling, um, learning how to care well for other brothers and sisters um, in uh, your church family. Maybe that's something that you want to grow in. Um, please do speak to Zandra um, uh, or speak to myself uh, at the end of the service and we'd be happy to um, give you a few pointers uh, um, and help you to, as you're helping to consider these things. Um, and it's just encouraging that those in leadership, both in La Comfora and here in Union Road, um, are wanting to develop this conversation in church uh, about how we connect faith to the, the mental health issues that, that people um, are struggling with. Because um, talk about mental health, it, it is everywhere these days, isn't it? Um, you know, issues like anxiety, depression, grief, loneliness, eating disorders, agoraphobia, whatever, uh, whatever it is, um, we're very aware of just how prevalent uh, mental health issues are. 
Um, and I, I didn't have to look too far this week, I, just having a, a quick search online to see the, the many ways that, that mental health issues and problems um, are there for us uh, in the articles that, that we read. Um, one article I read was, um, Cold Water Swimming Helps Reset the Body and Mind. Uh, I don't know if any of you are into cold water swimming. I, I live down near Belfast Lock, and there's a group of hardy, mostly women, I have to say, who are out there at all hours of the morning jumping into the lock. And I'm sure they're getting all sorts of wonderful hormone releases, but I can tell you it's, it's definitely not for me. Um, but apparently it resets the body and mind, and I, I think lots of people who do it um, would, uh, would second that. Something else I read, should driving instructors become mental health therapists? Um, you have a driving instructor who sits for many hours with the same uh, teenager or young person um, who naturally are going to develop a relationship and actually uh, begin to hear some of the, the difficult things um, that uh, young people are facing. So should driving instructors become mental health therapists? Um, something else was the festive period is a strain for people with OCD. Um, it's a strain for people for, for lots of reasons, but that was just something that I, I noticed this week. Um, and somebody else um, sharing uh, their story of mental health problems, um, and the, the, the headline was, I felt shame at having depression. Uh, and that can be an experience for, for people in church as well. Sometimes there can be a sense of shame in an experience of anxiety or depression. Sometimes it can almost be seen as a, as a lack of faith. Um, so these are important things, I think, for us as Christians to be considering um, as part uh, of our, our church family. Um, if we move on to the next slide, um, this is a picture that probably none of us have escaped uh, over the last week, I think, as, as we've watched the news or, or read the news online. Um, Prince Harry's uh, biography that's about to be uh, released. And essentially, not that any of us have read it, but it seems to describe uh, a troubled man with a troubled mind. Um, apparently, some of his story will reflect his unresolved grief um, over the loss of his mother uh, and how he used drugs and other means to escape the realities and the pain of his life. So we see when we look at that, that issues of mental health um, you know, they're no respecter of fame or fortune or rank or title. Mental health problems can come to anybody, uh, no matter what part of society um, that they, they, they live in. So how do we respond as a church to this real pandemic um, of mental health problems that are out there? And it's a pandemic that's, that's not just out there, but it's in here as well. People in this pew, people sitting here this morning who are facing their own mental health issues. How are we going to respond as that uh, as a local church and as individual Christian believers? Maybe just the next slide there. Um, the passage that we read in Corinthians, it mightn't have been the first passage that you would have expected me to go to um, when we're thinking about mental health, but actually it's, it's just God's wonderful vision for his church, you know, what God's church should be like as this body of believers who are all connected to each other, who are communicating with each other, this wonderful vision of the body of Christ, um, where the body cannot actually function without each of its members without each of you working together in your care for others and in being cared for by others. And it, 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 the passage reminded us as well that it's a place, the body of Christ, the local church, is a place where God uses those who are weak, those who are struggling. Verse 22 says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker 
are indispensable. He uses the people who think they've nothing to offer to offer something of real value. Those who think they're useless, who think they're maybe in the less presentable part of the body, he uses them and gives them greater value. Um, so it's a place and a community where God not only uses the weak, um, but he, he, he uses everyone to care for one another. Verses 24 and 25 says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be, may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice. So in the suffering and the struggles that we face, we are including our mental health issues in that. We are called as a body of believers to care for each other. So how do we do that? Well, let, let's take an example. Let's, let's call him Chris. Um, Chris is in his late 20s. Um, he's just started work in a call center. He's, he's a single guy, um, and he's got a new job in a call center. And he's been struggling with anxiety for a while, and this new job has really brought his anxiety out to the surface because he, he, he's, he's very lacking in confidence. He's not quite sure what he's doing. He's aware that he's kind of going to be measured. Um, he's going to be judged by the number of sales that he's getting. And, and so this lack of, of confidence about his ability to talk to the public, it's, it's rising this anxiety within him. And as well as that, he's, he's been coming out of lockdown. And, and during lockdown, he was very anxious, almost paranoid about viruses, about, about getting sick. Um, and this drove behaviors of anxiety uh, into overdrive. Um, and it's becoming increasingly difficult for Chris just to get out of bed, to get into work, and to function each day. And he's getting later to get into work. He's, he's not sleeping well at night. His performance isn't good. His timekeeping isn't good. And he's just waiting for his boss to say something. So he's, he's overwhelmed by these behaviors, and he feels trapped. And he's actually turning to pornography as a means of escape. So life for him as a 20-something-year-old as a single man just kind of feels overwhelming, and pornography feels like a way out. But as a Christian, this overwhelms him with even more guilt. He feels contaminated, and yet he just can't seem to stop. So things are really feeling out of control for Chris. So how do we understand, Chris? How does, Chris, how does God's vision for this church in, in 1 Corinthians 12 impact him? Well, first of all, we've recognized it's a vision where everyone cares, from the youngest to the oldest, you know, from those who are more articulate to those who are more hands-on, um, from the listener to the doers and for, for everyone in between. This is care that, that begins with, with each of us. And it begins in relationship with God, you see, your relationships with each other are actually an expression of your relationship with God. John tells us that in his, his letter in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. John says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So our love for one another is actually an expression of our love for the Lord. You can't separate the two. And if there's something missing in our concern for others, then actually that, John says, reflects a deficiency in our love for Christ himself. 
So it's not an opt-out, it's an expression. You know, it's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And what do we do? We love our neighbor as ourselves. So we consider the local church addressing issues of mental health. Um, and it's, we want to say two things in the next slide there. It's very simply, we need to be prepared to offer help. Um, church should be a place where we can be open uh, about our struggles. And so therefore, we need to ask for help ourselves. We actually need the humility to ask for help. We don't want to be the people who look like they've got it all sorted um, because we haven't. So how do we offer help? How do we offer help to, to Chris here who's struggling with his, his anxiety? Well, maybe you've noticed, because you're a friend of Chris's, you noticed that he hasn't been out at church much recently. Um, and when he is out, he, he kind of sits at the back and leaves very quickly. He seems withdrawn. And when you eventually catch up with him and ask him how he is, he simply says, well, look, I haven't been well. I've been anxious. I've been to my doctor. He's given me some pills to take. And so I'm hoping that they'll just start to work and I'll be okay. Chris seems to almost be keeping his distance and giving you the brush off. How would you respond? Would you think, well, this is complicated possibly. He's on medication. I should leave this to the experts and I'll not interfere. Well, obviously, there are aspects that, that where expertise is required, where you know, medical help maybe is needed. But should, does that mean that you shouldn't interfere? Does that mean that you shouldn't get involved? No, I, I, I think 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that you know, he is part of the body. So therefore, I, I need to show care for him. If he is suffering, then I should be suffering with him. Um, so what might you say to him? Well, you, you might just ask him another question. Um, you don't have to have all the answers, but you can say, look, Chris, tell me, how is it really going? Um, you know, in this experience of anxiety, what, what is most difficult for you day to day? Um, maybe, could we meet for a coffee and, and chat a little bit more? These are questions, just simple things that you could ask to encourage the conversation. And maybe the most helpful question of all would be, Chris, how can I pray for you in this experience? And that's a really important question, isn't it? How, Chris, can I pray for you? Because when you offer prayer, you're beginning to encourage the person to name what their troubles specifically are. But you're doing more than that because you're aligning his troubles with the promises that God has given us. So you're, you're moving his situation into the realm of prayer and into, God, into God's kingdom and the promises that he offers Chris. So... That's when the seeds of something really powerful can begin to be planted um, when we move in that direction. So we'll move on to the next slide. Um, how do we understand Chris's experience then, his problem of anxiety? Well, you can see there that there are different um, aspects at play uh, that all impact on our mental health. So there's, there's, there's the body, uh, there's the circumstances that are going around, uh, around us, and, and, and there's the soul. So for Chris, what's going on? Well, if we look at the, the top right of the diagram, we can see that circumstances are, are really um, a major factor for Chris. He's got this new job. Uh, he's just been coming out of lockdown, so he's fearful, he's anxious. Uh, he's a bit paranoid about viruses. Um, and as well as circumstances, there are physical aspects to his illness as well, um, issues of the mind. Perhaps 
you know, genetically, there may be a family history of anxiety for Chris, which is immediately going to leave him um, at a higher, higher risk of, of developing anxiety. Physically, too, in terms of his body, he's working long hours. He's, he's exhausted. He's maybe not sleeping well. He's finding it harder to control his emotions for all those reasons, and so the anxiety uh, grows uh, within him. But then what about the soul as well? Because, of course, as Christians, there should be an opportunity uh, to talk about the soul, about our hearts, about that part of us that drives us, um, where the seat of our desires, the things that we live for, the things that are important to us. So what, uh, how do we move the conversation towards Chris's soul? Um, let's consider uh, what Chris might be thinking. Perhaps Chris might have doubts about God's love. Maybe he's questioning God's control over life when he sees so much that's going wrong. Uh, maybe Chris is seeking a sense of worth and meaning in his job, and he's crushed when he's not performing as he should. Maybe Chris is crippled by the shame of the sins that, that, that I've talked about that he's been drawn into. Maybe he's crippled um, by the shame of that, and he feels that he doesn't actually deserve God's love many matters of the soul that Chris could be experiencing in this experience of anxiety. And they're all ideas and themes that could be explored in more depth. Is this, uh, more depth. Is this a punishment, Chris might be saying? Um, what, does, what does Scripture actually say to Chris about his value, about where his worth actually comes from, um, and what the Lord thinks of him? As Zandra said, her experience was uh, her own feelings about herself, uh, for her, reflected maybe what God thought of her. And actually, that wasn't the case at all. She had to, to see truth um, from outside herself to really understand her value uh, before the Lord. And maybe you're that person that can actually communicate truth to somebody like Chris uh, in your congregation. So there, there are many places we can go in, in matters of the soul, and we need to offer help and we want to do this by understanding uh, the different components of our situation, our circumstances, the physical side, and the soul. And just the, the, the next slide there. But as we consider how we want to grow as a church family and our care for each other, uh, we must remember, as it says there, that we need to be prepared to ask for help ourselves. Um, we need to ask for help. And you might be sitting here thinking, well, I'm okay, you know. I don't need any help. You know, I, I, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Um, but we all know what it's like to, to worry, don't we? We all know what it's like to experience anxiety uh, at some level. So we can identify with Chris and his experience. We all have times when we feel down, whether that be at a low level or something that is profoundly debilitating. And as Christians, and, and maybe more so as Presbyterians, and, and I say that because I'm a Presbyterian too, we, we can tend to minimize our issues, can't we? You know, we come into church, and if you're anything like me, getting down to church, getting four teenagers out, um, you're, by the time you get into the car, there could be a bit of steam coming out of your ears. All sorts of accusations are going on in the car on the way down into the church car park. But what happens they call it the miracle of the church car park. You step out of the car, and this, this kind of you know, face that's airbrushed and smiling and calm and peaceful is there, 
and somebody welcomes you in and how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm fine too. Um, we're really good at, at putting on this face, I think, as, as Presbyterians. Um, but actually, if we are prepared to offer help, we need to be prepared to ask for help as well. We need to show that there are some chinks in our armor, that we do struggle, that we're finding things difficult. And as we open up, as we admit to those things, it might encourage the conversation from others. So this honesty about how hard things are for us, um, honesty with the Lord and with each other, I think is where growth in faith often takes place, isn't it? Uh, often in the times when we're really at the end of ourselves is when God comes close. And we experience the truth of many places in Scripture, like James chapter 1, James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever what? Whenever everything's going fine? No, James says, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God does his work in us through these times of testing, through these times of trial, through these times of struggle. So, just as, uh, as we thought at the start of the service, what do you bring today to the Lord? Are you able to express to him the difficulties that you're experiencing, the feelings, the struggles that you have, how your week has been? And maybe as you go out the door after church, can you tell somebody else um, just about those struggles and, and maybe some of the anxiety or depression that you've been secretly carrying for some time now? Time is, is running out, but um, I, as I said, I'm a father to four children. Um, one of my kids, our, our second daughter, Jane, has quite profound learning difficulties. And in the early, Jane's 19 now, um, but in the early days with Jane, I really struggled um, to be open about how difficult I was finding things. Um, as much as I was grieving for Jane and, and the loss of uh, kind of the, the normal life that I'd hoped for, um, I was also finding uh, church one of the most difficult places to be, actually, because I looked around and everybody else, you know, had the, the, the happy face on, you know, everybody else seemed to have it sorted. And here was me kind of secretly dying inside a little bit. Um, but it was through, I think, my own kind of uh, stepping into biblical counseling that I realized that, um, that actually God did his greater work in my life through Jane, that Jane communicates so much to me, even though she has no voice. And she speaks to me of someone who's humble, who's happy to accept help from others, you know, who doesn't suffer from pride. She's, she's a girl who has embodied Christ for me in so many ways. Uh, and so that experience uh, of difficulty has helped me to see that actually it's okay to be weak. It's okay to admit your weakness before others because that's when others can minister to you. And that's where the Lord actually can show you his love uh, and bring you closer to him through the ministry of others uh, in your church family. So remember that, um, and remember that that place of weakness is actually God's workroom uh, where he can reveal his strength. So just uh, as we finish, just remember that vision of, of church in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's be captured by that vision in, in Union Road to, to care well for one another um, and be encouraged to persevere. I understand that 
you know, this congregation in La Comfort may soon, God willing, be entering a whole new uh, phase, a whole new chapter in your life and ministry. Um, and may your desire for Union Road be that it would increasingly be a family of believers who are real about mental health issues, because Scripture is, is real about it. And may you seek to embody the care of Christ in your care for others. And may you have the humility of Christ to ask for help yourselves. And the next time someone asks you how you are, before you say, I'm fine, uh, just pause for a minute and actually think, well, how am I really? Um, and how can I be open? Maybe this is someone that I could trust and open up and share a little of them about what I'm going through. And be excited about the ripple effects that some of those conversations might start to have in this community. And the witness that that will be to the people outside, that this is a place that is real about life. This is real about the struggles we face and who really believe that Scripture um, and that the Gospel um, has all that we need for life and that, tr that faith in Christ can actually speak in to the most difficult and challenging of mental health experiences. So that as we bear one another's burdens, we ultimately are drawn closer to Christ uh, through the struggles that we face. Amen. Let's just pray. Thank you.